0: Hello, friends, friends, wounded healers. Welcome to Conversations with the Wounded Healer. I'm Sarah Buino, and I will be your host for this magical journey today. And today is actually a very specifically magical journey. But before I get to today's guest, I just wanted to let you know, I think I've shared in the last intro that I don't know what I'm doing as a podcaster, even though I've been doing this for three years now. And I just figured out how to find out where you guys are. And I am so excited to report, in addition to the U.S., which is kind of obvious to me that people from the U.S. listen, we also have folks from India, the U.K., Australia, Canada. Lots of folks from those places are listening. But then there's like one person listening in Hong Kong, one person in Norway, one person in Japan, one person in Lebanon, and Costa Rica, Singapore, Greece, Saudi Arabia, like one person I think. I think that's how it works. But I was just like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And I just wanted to share and shout out to my one listener in Saudi Arabia. I am shocked that you were able to get this because of the content and the cussing, but I am so glad you did. So thank you for listening to my podcast. If you want to be friends, I would suggest finding me on Instagram, which is at headhearttherapy. and. My heart is super full and open right now because I just received a couple messages from people literally just reaching out and saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know that your podcast was really important to me. One person talked about, you know, they work in a helping profession and they listen to it to remind them that there are people in the world doing good work. Another person works in the service industry and said they decided to change careers and were happy to find the podcast. So I... Love getting those messages. It warms my heart and it I feel so honored to be able to share this podcast with you. And I'm so, so, so honored when people reach out and say hello. So thank you so much for those messages. You're touching my heart. Okay, now on to today's guest. So today's guest is kind of anonymous. Obviously, we're talking to her, so she's not a complete ghost. But we're going by Nellie D., It's not her real name, but that's what we're going by. And when we did this interview, she was connected with the Unusual Buddha. And she is no longer only because she's doing some really incredible, amazing things in her life that I don't want to disclose. But I just want to let you know, you might hear within the interview us refer to the Unusual Buddha. They're all still friends. They just don't work together anymore. And that's cool. But let me tell you about Nellie D real quick. She is a mother extraordinaire with an earth-loving flair, always seeking new adventures and excited for lifelong learning. And I think you'll hear all of those things play out in Nellie's interview. So please enjoy my convo with Nellie D. Nellie D, welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is lovely. Yeah, we made it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So you are partners in crime with Jim from the unusual Buddha that's how I got connected to you yeah that's right
1: yeah we've been together for uh, together well we've been <laughs> partnered, partnered together for five or six years yeah oh wow that is a long time yeah what's your role for the the podcast in the community? I do a lot of a lot of the background work. I'd say like Jim's more of the face and more of the teacher. And I've taken a, a supportive role. I'm the meme master. And, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You know, and the comic relief in podcast. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. tell us more about you. Well, I am the Canadian counterpart um, <laughs> to the Unusual Buddha. I live in the province of Ontario, near the nation's capital, which is Ottawa. I'm an original West Coaster and then moved here. Mm. Yes, homesick all the time, especially when it snows. Mm. Um, <laughs> so like the Vancouver area? Yeah, so it is beautiful over there. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was very spoiled. But Ottawa has its wonderful perks, especially in the summer, especially if you're an outdoorsy person. But yeah, I follow a pagan path. So that's what I bring to the unusual Buddha is, uh, you know, Jim comes from a Buddhist philosophy, and I come from a pagan philosophy, and and both heavily involve meditation and trance work. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm a mom, and you know, <laughs> all those wonderful things that yeah. that entails. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm curious a little bit about your backstory and how does, you know, a little baby Canadian grow up to, to, you know, go into pagan philosophy and Buddhist philosophy and all all those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I was brought up evangelical Christian. So you don't say,
0: oh, great.
1: Let's get into it. (laughs) So it's sort of the opposite swing of the scales, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was brought up evangelical Christian. And then in my late teens, early 20s, I started experiencing a lot of anxiety and depression. Although I'm all for mental health, I really wanted to use going on medication as a last resort. So my therapist suggested meditation. And as an evangelical Christian, I was very, very scared and leery.
0: They even hate meditation. Come on.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, right? (sighs) Because that's essentially what prayer is, right? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) That's what I always say. Yeah. So it's. I figured the safest way to do it was to go through the school board through their, you know, their adult Hmm. education classes. And I found a teacher in the Theravada Buddhist tradition. And from there, well, I remember my first class, it was just like, wow, this is epic. (laughs) Hmm. Even just my first session and my first time practicing, I'm going, there's something to this. Hmm. I ended up being drawn from evangelical Christian to this following the Buddhist philosophy, And it was amazing. And my mental health did improve and Mm -hmm. my physical health improved. And I mean, no medical disclaimers, you know, (laughs) but just meditation practice alone just changed everything for me. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm.
0: As a therapist, as I am a mental health practitioner, and my first level of defense is always, well, let's look at the symptoms, right? Let's look at what's underneath the symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. Because anxiety and blah, 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 those things, oftentimes there's deeper stuff involved in it. And if we can access the spiritual part of ourselves and heal that, then the more surface symptoms go away sometimes. And that sounds like what you experienced.
1: Very much so. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much mm-hmm. so. And through that, I discovered that a lot of my, for myself personally, it was lifestyle related, Yeah, you know, and well, therapy related, not so much a chemical mm-hmm. imbalance, but rather retuning my thinking and lifestyle changes. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. What I found personally and what I've seen happen with clients is when you're living the life that's really meant for you you tend to have less of the depressive and anxiety symptoms. But if you're trying to fit yourself into a life that you think you're supposed to be in, which it sounds like that may have been what was going on with the evangelical Christianity, right? Because it's very, it's very restrictive. It's very prescribed.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Fire and brimstone. Right. And I was able to actually stand up for myself and shift and start to live authentically. Right. A lot of that living authentically didn't come until I was much older, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it was the start of the path.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and how did you come to paganism?
1: So when I was 33... And I had had my second child. I had left a not healthy relationship. We'll just leave it at that. (laughs) And I was in, I guess you could say what you would describe as a bit of a, I was experiencing a bit of a a rock bottom moment.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And suddenly, I can't explain it, but suddenly I found myself surrounded by these women who were Mm. all following some kind of pagan path Hmm. of some degree. And I can't explain it. It just all kind of came together. I, you know, was sitting there talking with them and picking their brains and going, this is not what I expected, you know, pagans, (laughs) you know, paganism or Wicca or heathenism to be. I expected Mm -hmm. it to be very, you know, like worshiping the devil. exactly. Mm -hmm. Those typical stereotypes, right? Right. And it wasn't that at all. And I was able to have that shift once again, right? And it was, I kind of experienced the whole concept of if you don't choose the gods, the gods choose you. Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I grew up not evangelical, but I grew up Methodist. And I'm not going to blame okay. the Methodists. I'm more going to blame my mother and the way that she practiced religion. So it yes. was very... Yeah. Right. Like my mom was very strict, but I remember like whenever people would talk about going on missionary trips, I was so offended. And I thought like God presents at the time I said himself, but now I would say, you know, herself or themselves. Right. That God presents himself in different ways to different people to understand the way that they see the world. Right. And it's like, it's just so mind blowing to me that somebody can say like, no, this is the one truth about literally the biggest mystical question that humans will continue to have questions about, right?
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I love the way that you described that, but it's the gods will present themselves in a Mm -hmm. way that's best fitting for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm writing that one down. That's great. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) You can use that. Yeah, you can steal it. Thanks.
0: (laughs) You know, the term pagan, the term heathen, like I remember my mom using those terms too and thinking that those are, you know, those are bad people. Those are devil worshipers. And I'm guessing you're around my age because I think it was the early 80s when the, you know, satanic panic was happening. And so I... (laughs) You know, let's give credit to our faith communities at the time was because that was scary, right? They didn't really know what was going on. There were murders and we didn't know what was happening. And so, of course, there was that the frenzy around that. But I've just barely started my journey looking into like paganism and really what is a witch. And and what I'm reading is just like, oh, it's literally like just connection with nature and all things like that's Pretty much it. So it's nothing negative at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. It's not like the television show Sabrina or, or you know right, uh, right. the Omen or anything along those lines or or how Hollywood has made it out to be like mm-hmm. weird sex cults and mm-hmm. you know <laughs> mm-hmm. right, <laughs> right. It is exactly what you said. It is a connection with the energies around you and exploring those energies and also honoring those energies so whether it's earth energy ancestor energy Mm -hmm. you know plants whatever calls to you it's about tapping into that working with it exploring with it falling in love with it Mm -hmm. and you're forever learning there's always something new that's also wonderful you know yeah
0: well, and you, Jim told me this, so you tell me if it's wrong, but Jim said that mm-hmm. you you would call
1: yourself a hedge witch? Um, no. <gasps> Jim, you're wrong. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. But no, no, it's okay. So I've had quite a shift over the last year. I mean, I'm sure we all have in, in regards to everything we've done in our lives because of the pandemic and, and isolation. But I um, started out on the Druid path. Hmm. Which, again, there's a lot of connection to Earth, sky and a heavy, heavy connection to nature Mm -hmm. and especially the forest. And I was following the Norse gods within that path. Mm -hmm. And I was finding myself needing more magic in my life. Hmm. I could only go so far. And I did start looking into witchcraft and Appalachian granny folk magic. And for about three years, I was also looking into aspects of hoodoo. And because ancestor worship has always been a heavy part of my personal practice, Hmm. I became sort of drawn to these different paths. But then I started taking online Wicca classes last year. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) I fucking love 2020
0: and 2021 that we can do these things.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's been so wonderful. And it was people that I've known for years. And (laughs) Mm. and so it's opened a whole new realm for me, which has just been lovely. I think more and more that I'm delving into this more deeply, I consider myself to be Wiccan. Mm -hmm. You know, It's awesome. Yeah,
0: I actually have started, I never want to be like, I have started an ancestor veneration practice because it's like, I'm just figuring this shit out as I go along. But I've kind of been exploring doing that. And I came to it through anti-racism, actually, because I've been doing this anti-racism course and that course really centers the experience of Black people in America. And one of the things that is suggested literally for everybody is like, know who your pre-colonial ancestors are. One of my lineages is Irish. And so I've gone back to research Irish rich craft and what that entails. And I'm curious about like your ancestral lineage and, and the different things that you're looking into. I'm guessing you were looking into them because of you had ancestors from them or, or tell me, tell me more.
1: Okay. Oh, but that's (laughs) how you've come to find it through education. That's really cool. Thanks. That's neat. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I'm adopted. Mm. And although I do know my biological family and I'm actually very close to my father's side of the family, I've never felt any kind of deep connection to, say, genetic background. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've always centered my practice around meditating and tapping into who comes to visit me today. So whether it's lighting a candle every day or actually praying to them or setting an offering plate when I have like friends over for supper and actually Halloween or Samhain, although like I do like Halloween for the kids because it's cultural, like it's yeah, <laughs> the kids go to school and they dress up and they have fun. Mm-hmm. Samhain for me is actually quite somber because it's, again, that veil is thinning. And so I take that opportunity to actually pray and draw wisdom. And I have had some of my direct biological ancestors come to me as well as Mm. my some adopted as well, which was kind of neat. That is neat. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like there are a lot of people who do look into their lineage because they're looking for that connection in order to find a path for me it, it wasn't like that it was an energy that i felt drawn to an energy that i drew strength from mm-hmm. and it was also an energy that i knew that i could give back to and not ever question
0: you know i i i have this book this is so fucking like this is such a like capitalist western way to do this of course <laughs> but I got a book and I'm reading a book about how to honor your ancestors. And one of the things they said in the book was, you know, first honor your blood relatives. And so I did the thing. I made the altar and I have this fucking altar with all these pictures of my dead family. And I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to honor them because, frankly, right now I'm mad. I've been working through some trauma stuff and I'm pissed. And so I don't want to fucking honor you. (laughs) So... You know, I feel like this conversation is a little like universe wink for me to say, you know what, you don't like, don't do that part right now. Like there will probably come a time where I will have a hunger for that specifically. But, you know, this idea of connecting to something larger than ourselves and we are connected, we are related to everyone in a spiritual sense. And so why not just broaden that for myself?
1: Thank you for the permission. You're the one who gave yourself permission, Mm. which is awesome. You know, that's half mm-hmm. the battle. I have found for me, I can't speak for everyone else, but I have found for me that I'm the one who holds me back. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, I have to have these like, aha, Oprah moments. Everyone's you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. in order to, you know, keep going forward and keep moving forward and bringing more in and growing.
0: Right. hmm. Absolutely. Well, with all this magic that you practice and meditation that you do, you know, the, the question that I always ask my guests is, hmm. do you consider yourself a healer?
1: Oh no. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> oh no. She says in such a Canadian way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was, it, was it really?
0: Oh <laughs> yes. I love it. I mean, yeah. And Americans were always so tuned to that like cute little Canadian. Oh no.
1: Oh really? About. I didn't even know I said it like that. Oh god! Okay, oh, god. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. No, I have to heal myself <laughs> first before I mm-hmm. can heal anybody else. And and you know what? No, I have too much healing in myself to do before I could assist anybody else with doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, may I say that? I mean one of, one of the ways that I view healing is that healing ourselves is actually healing others. And one of the easiest lines to draw is that you healing yourself is healing for your children.
1: Yes, thank you. And a lot of what I do as far as my practice and yeah, healing myself, because I'm all about Mm -hmm. mental health, is because there are, like I recognize within myself that there were huge cycles that needed to be broken. And with having two girls, It was so important for me for those cycles to be broken. And if ever there is a reason to obtain mental health, (laughs) you know, healing as a parent, if you can't find any other reason, do it for your children. Absolutely. Because they will benefit from it. Mm -hmm. And generations of ancestors who will come behind you. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. And to get super witchy about it, truly as we I
0: think this is probably a sentence from the book I'm totally ripping off, but as we reach back into the lineage, we're healing the past as well.
1: Yes. I believe that by healing ourselves, we are healing those ancestral wounds for lack of a better. Is that yeah, ancestral yeah. wounds? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, ancestral wounds, they really are because by Stopping the cycle of whatever that cycle is. The ancestors are learning from you as well mm-hmm. as you learning from them. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the term wounded healer? How do you feel about that? Ah, it's interesting, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. When I first heard it, I was like, oh, actually, I don't know. <laughs> There's so much to be said from it. I know that I have had friends who, for example, have become, say, social workers because they were going into it to heal themselves. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so they were diving into it because they wanted to have more questions about themselves answered Mm -hmm. and the traumas that they experienced. And some of my friends admittedly, like, burned themselves out. Yeah. But other friends blossomed.
0: Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And so yeah, I, I hear what you're saying by wounded healer because there is that side of it. And in educating yourself about these subjects, you do learn a lot about yourself, I'd imagine. I mean, I'm not a social you worker, do. so you do. I do
0: <laughs> well if honestly, if you don't learn about yourself, then you're not doing it right. Cause I mean, there's only so far a therapist can take a client if they're not willing to examine their own stuff. Because yeah. our, our stuff is in the room. Like this is something I've really let myself lean into. Like I'm a human first and then I'm a therapist. And so my humanity is in the room regardless of, you know, they want us to essentially kind of be a, a blank slate, but it's never that way, right? Like you no, know, I have clients trigger my shit all the time and my job in the room with you is is not to call attention to my stuff so I can heal my stuff in the session but sometimes I have to call attention to it because it's part of what needs to come forward for that person's healing too. Like, I mean, COVID is the greatest example of, you know, therapists going through the exact same trauma as our clients and we had to talk about what was going on with
1: us because
0: it's too much. 2020 was too much for everybody.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Like, I couldn't even begin to imagine what it would be mm-hmm. like for you as a therapist because, yeah, I mean, you're experiencing the isolation and the loneliness and the depression and the anxiety of just like mm-hmm. people getting sick and dying all the time. You know, it's, oh, my God. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs>
0: You know, from the the wounded healer perspective, what I've really come to appreciate based on what I hear from people on on this podcast is that we are all wounded and we have a choice whether we are going to live from the wounds or live from the scars, essentially, right? Like I have healed certain things and I I never believe that our healing is completely done, but there are certain things that I've healed that I am able to utilize the information that I gained from those wounds, but not act out from the
1: wound. Right, and you can grow. Right. And then eventually tattoo over it to make it look pretty.
0: Right, right. Right. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, that's really lovely. Thank you. There's a lot to learn from that.
0: Right. And in that way, truly, I do think everybody is a healer.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Well, everyone has something to offer. I guess it's also from that perspective of that concept of be kind to everyone because you don't know who you're going to touch. Mm -hmm. Healing is very similar. You don't know how your actions are going to push someone in a particular direction, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes being kind to someone does take them to that direction of, oh, I do deserve kindness. And then it snowballs into a healing effect, right? Yeah. And you just never know who who you've affected in that way. That's right.
0: Well, to kind of shift the subject a little bit, I, I was just thinking about, I'd love to hear the way that you utilize the intersection of Buddhism and and Wicca or paganism, however you want to put that together? Because I I think that's me, too. And I want to hear, I want to hear what I believe in. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure everything
1: you're going to say, I'm going to be like, yeah, literally, that's what I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I would say that how Buddhism has boosted my path or my workings within the pagan path was from meditation and the mental work and also the concept of knowing thyself, right? There's a philosophy within paganism where in order to do the work, you have to know thyself and meditation and journaling are the tools that I utilize the most. Well, and therapy, but, you Mm -hmm, know, (laughs) mm -hmm. to know thyself and to broaden my self-awareness. And so I can't say that it was a flawless transition by any strength <laughs> of imagination, but I was able to utilize those mental workings in order to do trance work and journeying in a more seamless fashion. Mm. And so in being able to do the trance work and journeying, I have been able to tap into you know my ancestors and my guides in order to learn and receive messages. And that's half the battle right there. Mm -hmm. And I have had messages where they've given me shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what are you doing? You know, start yourself Mm -hmm. out. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. And, you know, where I've literally had energies tell me you're procrastinating. Mm. Stop it. And I've gone, okay. And I've come out of that and, and gone, okay. I will listen because if you don't, well, sometimes it comes to kicking the butt, <laughs> right? And that's where the two have helped me tremendously, and how I was able to overlap mm-hmm. in moving from one to the other.
0: Well, I'm I'm also really struck by the difference between an evangelical Christian religion and what you're <laughs> describing, because you know, from w- we know that paganism and other such practices were essentially too powerful right and the early christian churches were like you can't have that knowledge we need to control all the knowledge and i'm just thinking about the wisdom that you're getting you know an evangelical christian might say well the wisdom only comes from god no like it comes from everywhere it comes from your ancestors it comes from you it comes from god it comes from plants it comes from trees right all of these different places and it's the exact opposite where you know I don't want to say that Christianity is terrible because I don't Mm. actually think that that's true at all. I think that there's so many lovely parts of it, but where Christianity practiced in a rigid way is very much about control, what you're talking about is all about expansion.
1: Yeah. And I think within any fundamental belief system, it's like what you said, in my opinion, it's about control and oppression because someone always has to be the leader. Right. Right cuz how dare we
0: all have wisdom? How dare we all have something to contribute?
1: Right? A group of enlightened people are powerful. And I think in today's society we're kind of missing that point. Well, actually no, that's shifting. It is. I was going to say we are. Yeah. There
0: is movement. We are coming there back is. to the collective.
1: Yeah, I agree. There's so much that has shifted over the last, especially over the last 20 years, I would say, mm-hmm. in regards to human rights. Mm-hmm. And it's in this practice of empowering yourself, regardless of what you believe, because there's wonderful, I mean, I know pagans who follow, who worship Jesus and and Mary as their gods, right? Oh, wow. And hoodoo, a lot of hoodoo practices are based around praying to the Catholic saints
0: mm, and right, doing yeah. their
1: workings around the Catholic saints and following the Psalms in the Bible. And so again, When a belief system takes away your personal power, run away, right? You know. (laughs) Well, I always thought too, like, why does God
0: give a shit if I like tarot cards or not? Like, really, what does that have to do with
1: anything? Ah, exactly. You
0: know, (laughs) right? I mean, I literally don't understand. And it's funny, I'm currently having a conflict with a family member who is concerned that my spirituality is somehow problematic, and I'm. This sounds so dramatic, but I kind of feel like, well, shit, this is a very, like, tiny, 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 like, minuscule representation of why witches were burned at the stake. And I'm feeling a very powerful desire to push back and be like, go fuck yourself because... Yes. This is a return to something that I've been disconnected from because of capitalism and white supremacy and patriarchy and all of these systems that wanted to tell me what to do. And now I'm like, "Mm, motherfucker, no.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I 200% support you. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. I mean, yes, there's a lot of intuitive work with tarot cards, but there's also a lot of subconscious work going on in tarot
0: cards. That's what I find for mine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And especially if you're using it as your own, I'm not necessarily referring to reading for other people, but if you're using it as a tool for yourself to learn, Mm -hmm. it's not woo-woo. There's a lot of of subconscious workings that you're picking up from the cards and those messages. It's a tool. Yeah. No, stick with it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, the way that I use my tarot cards Usually I just pick a card every day and that I feel like is like my relationship with the deck, right? And when I have a problem or a question, I get an answer and it's always the answer that I knew was the answer, but maybe was either afraid to give myself permission to know was the answer or something that was, like you said, it's it's subconscious work. So it's just like a little bit out of the forefront. And so it's, you know, people who think that, oh, yeah, the tarot cards are telling me what to do. No, they're telling me what I already know, <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's like just something shifts in your brain because you you saw that one particular blue cup mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's, oh, I get it now.
0: Right, ah oh, it's really cool. <laughs> and for me, I mean, especially with all the turmoil that's happened in 2020, I found myself going to tarot cards and astrology for predicting the future. But every time I do that, I get a slap on the hand because it's like, <laughs> like the tools are like, bitch. nah, that's not what we do. <laughs> so right. It's, it's it, like yes. it, the tools kind of write you. And it, I have a deck. It's called the crystal unicorn tarot deck. And oh, cool. <laughs> I got to tell you, so people who are not familiar, the 10 of swords is usually a guy laying face down with 10 swords in his back. And that that is the worst card in the deck. Arguably, that's the one yes. that you don't want to get right. The death card, not a problem. That just means change the 10 of swords. That is fucking it. The unicorn deck it's the funniest it sounds terrible (laughs) to say that it's really funny but this dead unicorn with it's just so dramatic that it's funny and that card that fucking card like always like whenever i'm like but no i really want this thing the ten of swords comes up and i'm like go fuck yourself unicorn (laughs) (laughs) fuck you universe so mm-hmm. But it's what I already know to be true, right? Like, it's just, I. it makes me sad that fear is what gets in the way of people allowing themselves to explore.
1: Yeah, it's fear and, and that comfort zone. Right. I'm guilty of it. That's for sure. Um, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, like doing podcasts, this is like, oh, my God, that's totally out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's why it's also important to be doing the mental work along with mm-hmm. everything else because it it will guide you. And journaling, I'm horrible at journaling. I'll be the first to admit <laughs> that. I'm, just, I'm horrible at journaling. <laughs> I'm starting to get better slowly. It'll come. But the mental work, the meditation, the trance work, the, yeah, that's so imperative in order to get beyond those comfort zones and, mm-hmm. and grow. I also think, though, that it's not just mental.
0: I think I think it's embodied because if we're just okay. in the mental realm, we're not really connected to the soma and the earth part of self, right? If we're just mental, we're just in the airspace. So because, you know, spiritual bypass is a thing and people who are on all sides of the spiritual coin can engage in spiritual bypass. So we want to be we want to be in our bodies when we do this work, too.
1: Yeah, it's important to come back. Mm -hmm. but also to be grounded so that you can make those decisions and you can do the work and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: stand firm in what you believe because ultimately you do have to stand up for yourself you know with relatives Mm -hmm. with life in general you know whether it's your job whether it's your family there are times where you do need your feet firm in the ground Mm -hmm. well we're coming to the end. That of- was fast. I know, right?
0: <laughs> I'm a pretty good interviewer. Some say, some Lovely. say. For folks who might be like, hmm, this pagan thing, this witch thing, that's kind of interesting. Where can I learn more? Like, do you have any suggestions for folks who might be starting that journey for themselves?
1: Well, for people in Canada, there is a, a Facebook group. It's the Wiccan Church of Canada, Toronto Temple. They are an amazing resource for books, for online classes currently. Do you have to be Canadian? No. Okay. If you wanted to join, yeah, do it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, they actually have members like Ohio, Florida. I I think there's a few on the West Coast as well, like California. Cool. I could be wrong about that, but yeah, no, people are more than welcome. And then they're doing online classes, weekly online classes, which have helped me tremendously. Hmm. And there's also, I'm trying to think of books that would be, that have helped me. I would say, oh my God, there's so many books out there. But Scott Cunningham is an author who would be good to start with. He has since passed on, but I found his books very helpful in the in the beginning. Awesome. Very cool. Well,
0: yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about today that you want to make sure that listeners know before we go?
1: Stay safe. (laughs) Yeah, right? I think we covered it all. I think we did okay. We covered all the
0: things. I really appreciate this. And I I think this is going to be a, a conversation that's really, really interesting to folks. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, no. Thank you for having me. This is lovely.
0: Thanks so much to Nellie for being an awesome guest today. If you want to find out more about Nellie, sorry, you can't. She doesn't want to tell you all the details about her. So you can just go to my website and hang out. <laughs> www.headhearttherapy.com podcast. Thanks as always to Andrea Klunder and the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for our album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.